Let's pray together as we open up Colossians. Father, thank you for the book of Colossians and a chance here in our church to start exploring that today. We ask as we open your word now that you will speak powerfully to us through it, uh, that you will teach us your truth, uh, that you'll remind us and convict us and grow us, and that by your spirit you will accomplish your good purposes in us and through us and among us as we're shaped by your word. So we ask your grace in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there something in your life that you have known about, but then you came to know it a bit more fully? Or is there something that you could maybe picture, but you hadn't really personally grasped it in all of its richness and depth? Well, for me, this happened with the night sky and the stars. See, I had always lived in or lived near a city. And so while, yes, of course, I've seen the stars... I've seen the amazing pictures of them, you know, from, from space, from telescopes, and that kind of thing. I had never really seen them in all their magnificence. That all changed when we moved to the tiny town of Grenfell in country New South Wales. When you live in a town that size, only a couple of thousand people, and with lots of open space and lots of cloudless nights, uh, the night sky becomes a whole lot richer uh, because there's no city lights. There's nothing else to get in the way. And I remember being fascinated by this for a while. We'd sometimes turn off the house lights and go out into the backyard and just look up. In fact, I remember once we had visitors came to see us. We wanted to show them the beauty of the area we were now living in. And so we drove to the outskirts of town at night where there was even less light. I mean, no light from houses or properties, you know, or street lights. Not that there were a whole lot in Grenfell anyway. Um, You know, we turned off the car lights and we got out and you see, you know, this sort of thing. And the whole opened up gigantic canvas, this inky canvas dotted with all of these, you know, lights, uncountable stars. It's it's absolutely beautiful when you see it like that. You know, I even had this, that feeling you get a feeling so small because I just can't grasp, you know, what's in front of me. And so that means then, well, yes, throughout my whole life, I I knew about the night sky with stars. I'd seen, you know, the cool space documentaries. I've seen rich pictures and paintings. But it took time in a tiny country town for me to really grasp the cosmic beauty of the night sky. Because there, I could see it in all its glory and grandeur and scope, and I could really be taken in by it. Here in Colossians, that's exactly what Paul wants for his Colossian readers, his Christian readers. It's a bit of a unique letter in the New Testament because some of the language is grand and magnificent and not really used elsewhere. Paul doesn't want these Colossian Christians to just know the gospel or have some truths from the gospel or know some things about Jesus. He wants them to get how wonderfully big and impacting and rich and meaningful life in Christ is. Here he's painting a picture for them. It's cosmic and eternal, but yet reaches into the everyday of our lives. That's the sort of thing we're going to be exploring in Colossians. We're going to see it in today's passage as well. Because this first section helps us to see how the bigness of the gospel transforms lives and how the bigness of the gospel transforms prayer. So let's start with the first one. 
how the gospel transforms lives, how it transforms us. So Paul, as usual, he begins his letter, you know, with, with, by introducing himself. He introduces Timothy as well. He passes on greetings to the Colossians, and then he starts writing in verse 3. Now, feel free to look along in your Bibles, but I will have all verses on screen today as well. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. Paul thanks God because he has heard wonderful things about these believers. So here we need a little bit of background, don't we, about Colossians. We see in verse 7, if you are looking along further in your Bible, we see uh, that another Christian named Epaphras, he was actually the one who brought the gospel to these people. Paul didn't plant this church. Uh, Epaphras is also the one who brought news of them to Paul. And then towards the end of the letter, we see that Paul is writing while he is in chains, meaning he's in prison at this time when he's penning these words. When you put these things together, they tell us that Paul is writing to a new church, or quite likely a new church of Christians, whom he doesn't know. He's never met these people. But he is so compelled by the news that he hears about them that he wants to write to them with encouragements and warnings as well. And we're going to come to that as we go across our series over this term. Um, He wants to see them grow. He wants to see them thrive. He wants to see them learn how to live in the face of challenges. And he does all of this by sharing the supremacy of Christ and his gospel. But he starts by highlighting something that is so good about them. He knows about their faith and their love. If we put together the flow from Paul's words in this section, it goes something like this. Epaphras brought the gospel, the word of truth. This gospel filled them with heavenly hope and led them to faith in Jesus, which then spilled over into his act of love for their Christian brothers and sisters. Do you see that? This huge gospel just pouring down and across into lives. The bottom line is that Paul is overjoyed that these people have been transformed by Christ. Because that's the picture here of being radically changed. Uh, They don't just believe something new, but they're driven by a gospel hope that affects their relationships. They are visibly different. They are obviously Christians among their people and within their world. And their active love is so noticeable that Epaphras, he sees it. He couldn't help but tell Paul about it. Paul then just couldn't help but bring this in thanks to God. And of course, he needed to write to them as well. Because see, these Colossians, they are living out John 13, 35, where Jesus himself says, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Friends, the message for us here is that the gospel transforms. And that's what happens here in this church as well. Do we know that? As we teach and share the good news of Christ and his gospel, it's the same gospel as as the Colossians had. Because the gospel is not just head knowledge or information. It's not just one worldview among many. You know, you pick and choose which one do you like. 
It's as we just read here, it's the hope stored up in heaven. Now, yes, part of that is looking forward to heaven, but it's so much more. The gospel has to do with the very things of heaven. See, the gospel is huge and cosmic. It's about eternal forgiveness from Christ so that we can enjoy God forever. It's about our rich inheritance in the heavenly kingdom being held for us and that just shaping all of life now. It's about the one who died and rose for us, walking with us every day of this life and walking us home to glory. It's about being in the family of believers spanning all time and cultures. It's about having a heart of stone just ripped out of our body and a soft heart made new in Christ placed there instead. And it's about, as it says at the end of this passage here, being rescued from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. That's the gospel, all of these things. See, for Paul, there is no small gospel. There's absolutely no such thing. And that's true for us as well, because we have the same gospel. So while we don't have a whole lot of detail yet at this point in the letter, I mean, we're only a few verses in, aren't we? Uh, We can see enough to know that the gospel transforms hearts and lives. That's what Paul is so thankful for as as he begins here. He just had to thank God for this. He had to get in touch with these people. But as we keep reading what he says, we see that the gospel changes the world as well. It transforms like that too. Paul reminds his readers that what's happening to them is exactly what the gospel does everywhere that it spreads. Look with me, please, at the second part of verse 6. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. It's interesting that we live in a world where we now have language about something going viral. You know, so when we say something goes viral, it means it, it catches on through the internet, it spreads to a gigantic number of people, and it does that very quickly. Well, last year, just to give you an example, you know, a video of some crazy moves in a giant game of Jenga was watched 300,000 times. Then you have this kid, happens to have an impromptu yodeling session at Walmart, seen by 15 million people. And the most viewed YouTube video is actually a music video. And it has been seen by almost, get this, 6 billion times. Isn't that crazy? 6 billion times times. Some things just spread around the world like wildfire. But you know what? None of them hold up to how viral the gospel of Jesus is. See, the gospel is not like a, you know, a video, a top sensation for a little while. Christianity has been spreading nonstop around the globe for 2,000 years. And when it truly reaches people, it's not entertainment like these videos are. It's not something just on the surface. It penetrates to the deepest place, and it makes them a new creation. Paul says here that the gospel has been bearing fruit and growing. When it truly takes root, nothing is the same. That's viral. Okay, That's the new definition of viral for us. So what does Paul mean then when he uses the word fruit? 
Fruit's an interesting word. We, we almost take it a bit for granted. It's one of those Christian jargon words, but do we stand back and say, what does it mean to actually be fruitful? And if we read across the Bible the way it's used, especially in the New Testament, uh, we start to see how rich that word is. Because fruitful means growing to be like Christ. It's about flourishing. It's about richly laboring for the kingdom. Uh, Part of being fruitful is praising God and knowing him more. It's about having the righteousness of Jesus. And it's about the Holy Spirit giving us the character of Jesus as well. You know, things like love and joy, peace and patience and so on. Paul is telling these very early Christians that what is happening to them, it's a shared experience all over the world. The gospel from our supreme God, it's not just this local religious idea, but it spreads. And everywhere it goes, it does something wonderful because it transforms people. And, you know, this is such a hopeful truth for us as we begin this term and this series and, and all of our ministries kicking off for the year. You know, a new senior minister coming in a little bit less than a month. Do we expect that we're just going to continue the same old stuff in exactly the same old way with the same people? I mean, do we? Or is God going to do something great through his gospel work? Because, see, it's not about our works being perfect at this church. It's not about our ministries being the slickest you can find. You know, it's the gospel that bears fruit. And so we can have great hope in all of the ministries of this church. We can have great hope as we continue to support our, our missionaries locally and abroad. You know, God is up to something. Or this year, as we seek to have the gospel on view in our own words and in our own life, we can be hopeful. God is at work through that, even if we're clumsy with our words. Or maybe I can put some of this forward as an opportunity. In our bumper bulletin today, you know, the, this, we've listed so many things happening in the life of the church, so many ways people can be involved. But since these ministries, they're gospel ministries, I mean, that's what we put our time and energy into here at this church. But want to think about helping out with some of them if you're not already. And invest in something that will have a good return. I mean, we, we want to put our energies in something with a good return, don't we? Now, yes, results aren't always visible as we'd like. I mean, we've got human eyes and finite ways of seeing things. Ministry can be challenging. God's timing is not ours. But his gospel's fruitful. We can all be part of that. I wonder if we truly know that. Or maybe a better way to say it is, I think it's something we all need to be reminded of from time to time. I know I need to be reminded I mean, do we sit here today as people expecting to be changed by the gospel? Well, whether you've understood that or not, uh, whether you've ever tasted that or not, the grand scope of the gospel, as we see in Colossians, is going to help us get that more deeply over this term. And let me say, too, that if you're starting off this year maybe a bit dry, maybe a bit distant spiritually, I hope this reminder will encourage you personally as well. Please persevere. Please keep going. Just follow along with Colossians with us and let the grandeur of Jesus and his gospel take hold. Because God is at work. So we see here that the the bigness of the gospel transforms lives. You know, God is in the business of pouring out his grace. But we see as well that it transforms prayer too. It transforms prayer. Now we've already seen this, haven't we, in Paul himself as he 
uh, prays for the Colossian believers. But he picks up on this again in verse 9. And he puts it like this. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now again, remember the wider story. Uh, Paul is in constant prayer for people he has never met. These are people outside his immediate circle. But see, that's what the gospel does. It changes people so that it's not just about me, but about us, or, or we, maybe. It's not just about my life, but it's about God's world. And so we find that we want the goodness and the help, the gracious fruit that comes from God. We want others to have that as well. You know, what we've received, we want that pouring out and for others to be blessed. I'm currently taking a uh, distance education course at the moment, sort of in the background behind my ministries. And if you didn't know, I do this every year. I'm slowly working through a whole bunch of counseling courses, and I do that to keep growing personally and growing spiritually and, and you know, deepening my skills and that sort of thing. Um, this is an online course, and that means that the people who are in it are from all over the world. And uh, one of the things I need to do in this particular one, in these studies, is to have regular Skype chats with one of my classmates. And uh, this guy, who I've been partnered up with, he's from Rhode Island in the U.S. And uh, so last week, we connected for the first time. And what did we do at the start and end of this conversation? We prayed. See, even though we have completely different lives, we had never known each other before that point, uh, we are in completely different ministries. We don't have any common friends. Uh, we're on different continents, just about as far apart as you can probably get. But because we have the same gospel, we could pray for each other. And it wasn't weird at all. Because we're brothers in Christ. You know, just think about it. That's why, as we think about our prayers or each Sunday at church, that's why we can pray, for example, for Nicole on the other side of the world in Africa. We're praying for all these people she's ministering to. We don't know them personally, do we? We've never met them. Or it's why we can pray for new, uh, world news and world leaders. It's why we can pray for people even in Australia who are not quite connected to the inner circle of Australia, of Epping attending here or attending here anymore. People like little toddler Harry Chai, that's why we can pray for him. Most of us in the church have never met that little boy. The gospel widens our world to more of God's size. And we find we can pray more widely as a result. But having a big gospel, it also shapes what we pray for as well. Look again at what we just read in verse 9. Paul prays for these people to be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. But like we've already said, that's not just head knowledge. We see the word wisdom or understanding. Because in verses 10 to 14, we see that Paul wants this wisdom to lead to action. So read with me, please. He writes, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. 
If I can put this in my own words, Paul is praying for four things that will honor God in their lives. Being fruitful, growing in the knowledge of God, having endurance and patience, and being joyfully thankful for being rescued into Christ's kingdom. That's what gospel-shaped prayer looks like. Now, yes, we want to keep praying for our earthly, everyday needs. Don't get me wrong. We want to pray for our stresses at work or our studies. We want to continue to pray for our health and for those who are unwell and coping with growing older. Let's pray for our kids and our families if we're going to settle into a good school year. You know, all these things are vital and good prayer. Let's keep doing that. But the gospel, let's remember this, it says that we can pray even more deeply too. Because, see, Paul's prayer for these believers is that they will truly grasp that they will, sorry, I'll say that again, they'll truly grasp the depth of, uh, at their, I can't get this word, what's wrong with me here? It's a long day. At the depth of their uh, being, what God has done for them, you know, and that when that happens, they will be radically changed, be shaped. In fact, if we look closely, we see Paul is actually praying for more of what they already have, isn't he? He's already explored the fruit of the gospel in their life, in faith and love, and how they've received God's truth. But a big gospel means that Paul can pray big things for them. Because he knows that life is about more than just the good life. It's about knowing and growing in Christ. Because he has a Jesus who's not just a ticket to heaven, but he is Lord over the cosmos, well, he can expect radical fruit and abundant fruit. Paul prays supreme prayers because Christ is over all. So here's my challenge to each one of us. Or maybe it's an encouragement. Depends how you want to take this one. And this is in light of the magnitude of the gospel as it's shared in Colossians. I'd like to invite you to choose one Christian person you know. Now that can be someone in this church. It can be someone in your family. It can be a Christian on the other side of the world as we talked about earlier. It doesn't matter. But I want you to pray through Colossians 1, verses 9 to 14 for them this week. Pray that they will truly know God and honor him with their lives. Pray that the gospel won't be just a belief system, but will be something that will visibly change them from the inside out. Pray for the strength of our mighty God to give them great endurance, especially if you know that they're going through challenges. And pray that they will know so much that their deepest need is forgiveness of sin that it will lead to deep thanks because that's exactly what God does in Jesus. And pray that they'll know in this that they've been brought into the kingdom of light away from the darkness and the power of the evil one. That's a rich prayer. Let me encourage you to choose someone and pray through these sort of things for them this week. Friends, let's let the book of Colossians open our hearts and minds on a cosmic level this term. Because our hope is in Christ, we can expect and do things that will match his abundant grace. We can and we should expect to be wonderfully transformed and for fruit in our gospel ministries. And we can and we should pray huge prayers for each other. So may you be filled with this supreme gospel wisdom. As I close this in prayer, I'm going to close our service in prayer as well. Join with me. Our great Father, we thank you so much for the book of Colossians. And already in just this first section, we're getting a taste of how big Jesus and his gospel are. And Lord, we thank you that that your truth 
it comes bound up with the things of heaven. That it's not just a, a the gospel's not just a ticket to salvation, but a rich, wonderfully changing, vibrant relationship with the living God. Lord, please change us from the inside out. Lord, help us to not settle for a, a small taste of religion over in the corner, tucked away in a part of our lives, but to be truly transformed by the hugeness of what Jesus has done for us. And Lord, as we do that and do that together, we ask that you will transform our church. And Lord, we ask that you will transform our prayer. Yes, help us to pray for the ins and outs and ups and downs of every day. But help us not to forget that we can pray fantastically uh, big things for each other. Lord, grow us, please, across this whole term. Uh, Enlarge our view of you and your grace as we explore Colossians together. And Lord, we look forward to what you will accomplish among us. Lord, as we go out into this week now and as we finish this service, we ask, please, that you will bless us in these ways. And you'll give us eyes to see you in all of your glory in many different ways, and praying this in Jesus' great name. Amen.